The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 101 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier, and I'm so glad you tuned in this week. And before we get into this week's conversation, I just want to thank everybody so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting us last week in our 100th episode. We got so many kind words from uh, listeners and from past guests, and it was just really fun. And didn't Nick Galetti just do a great job? I was a little uncomfortable, but holy cow, it was just fun for a few days. All the kind messages. Thank you so much for your support. We so appreciate it. It just means the world to me. Um, Speaking of support, we want to thank our reviewers. Of course, uh, on Apple Podcasts, as well as on Facebook, we like to acknowledge our reviewers because it really helps us to be found. And this week on Apple Podcasts, because we didn't read them last week, we actually have eight reviewers to thank this week that all left five-star reviews. Thank you so much to, uh, these are usernames, of course, M3 Spinoza, EJM711, MEC5412, Chase Marsum, Hope to Get It, DCV23, Daijo, who I'm sure because it's what he uses everywhere else, is my dear friend John Dye, a past guest and one of the best human beings I know. John, you are awesome. And Tiago Nadalny. And I want to thank Tiago, who's from Curitiba, Brazil. He shared that in the review. And of course, my wife served her mission in Brazil. We just love everything about Brazil. So Tiago, thank you as well. Uh, This week in the conversation, my guest, Monica Tanner, She has the most amazing story of her conversion. You will absolutely love it. In fact, I got so lost in it a couple times, I forgot that I was even doing an interview. I I sat there just listening, so caught up in her story. And not only is it a beautiful story, uh, just an incredible conversion story, but also Monica is a remarkably talented storyteller. She is just so engaging and wonderful. We'll talk about her conversion and her podcast and all the great work that she is doing. It is awesome. And this week in my Latter-day Life, it's all about the little things. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today my guest is a fascinating person with a wonderful conversion story as well as the host of her own podcast and she's doing so many amazing things in the world, Monica Tanner. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. You know, last week we had our 100th episode and at the end of it I mentioned that we have a Latter-day Saint podcasters group. And that's how we met. You're yeah. a member of our group. And so I'm super excited to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, before we jump into the podcast and all these other great things you're doing, let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about kind of uh, where you're from and where you grew up. Awesome. Yeah, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, 
uh, in a, a little nuclear family, my mom, my dad. And then when I was four, we adopted my little brother. It's important uh, to note you were not raised in a Latter-day Saint family. No, my family was actually Jewish. And again, I was the first in my family to leave the Jewish religion. So, Was your family very active in the Jewish faith when you were growing up? Well, so there's several levels of Judaism, and Reform is kind of the most uh, lax, I would say. And so we went to to synagogue on high holy days. I did go to Hebrew school all my life growing up from when I was young. I remember my dad would take me on Sunday mornings, and I would learn how to read Hebrew in preparation for what's called a bar bat mitzvah. Girls have a bat mitzvah, boys have a bar mitzvah. And so I did, you know, do all the typical um, Hebrew school, learning how to read Torah. And um, when I was 12, and it it was time for me to plan my bat mitzvah, uh, my parents divorced. And that was kind of, you know, it kind of shook up the family. And they kind of gave me the choice did I want to go through with the bat mitzvah? And I, I, you know, maybe in anger, I don't know, but I was like, no, for sure not. I don't want to do that at this point. So um, I didn't actually have a bat mitzvah. So 12 years old, that's a tricky time in life. How did that affect you? Yeah, it was tricky. Uh, I I didn't really understand uh, the issue. My I never really saw my parents disagree about anything, so it was kind of shocking. Um, they had been together. They had met actually at, at Hebrew school when they were sixteen years old, um, and had stayed together through college. Got married after college, and um, you know had been together for a very long time. And so they didn't really disagree or fight about anything they just kind of fell out of love. And I think out of respect for each other, they kind of said, you know, mm. you should explore whatever. Um, so it, it it kind of threw me for a loop just because I wasn't expecting it. And, you know, I didn't like want that. And then to make matters worse, my mom ended up moving away across the country to Oregon um, to mm. to kind of figure herself out and, you know, figure out what the next step is for her. And so, and I stayed and lived with my dad and changed schools. So it was a lot of change right away. My dad got married almost right away after the divorce. And so then all of a sudden I had a stepmom and two stepsisters and they were actually not Jewish. So she was a Methodist, a practicing Methodist. Um, And so my dad kind of went a little against the Jewish religion. He'll tell you now that he has no religion. He's kind of, he believes in God and the universe, but he's not really any practicing religion. Um, So that was my first kind of encounter with any type of Christianity. But, but yeah, at 12 years old, it was a lot of instability, I think, and, and a lot of change. And that was rough. Yeah. So you go through high school now with, stepmom with stepsisters did you were did you stay close with your mom throughout those years um that's tricky because we visited her um during the summers but you know it was a time when you're 12 and I have a 12 year old daughter right now and mm-hmm. you really do need your mom i mean there's a lot of emotional changes there's physical changes happening 
you know, all of the puberty, becoming yeah. a woman, makeup, all of those things that you really need your mom for. And and my mom was kind of not there. And my stepmom was kind of not interested in taking her place. So, so yeah, there was a lot of pain, I think, associated with it. And um, my mom and I are, are super close now. I, actually, awesome. through the teachings of the church, you know, I was able to forgive her and we mended our relationship. But, but yeah, at the time it was really hard. And so I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't say that we were close, but I mean, right. she never left my life completely, but it was sure. difficult. Yeah. That is one of the, I think, most powerful lessons I was able to learn in my life is that the people that raised me did the best with what they could. And, you know, the people that raised them did the best with what we could. And hopefully every generation gets a little bit better and, and yeah. more equipped with more tools and, and more conscious of, you know, the the cycles that are that are there. But um but yeah, my parents were amazing and absolutely they did the best they could. And, you know, I love them for that. That's awesome. Awesome. So you you get done, you you move to Austin, which Austin is often described as the coolest city in America. Do you for find sure I would agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Best food in America, I'll tell you that much. For sure. There's no better food than Austin, Texas. So that's right. Talk about your experiences in Austin. Yeah, so I, I went to school. Um, happy happy to be sort of out of high school and and on my own. And um, I started uh, in the business school, which is actually a pretty prestigious. It's it's pretty difficult to get into the business school, especially as a freshman. So um, my my thought and wow. idea was to uh, major in business and then go to medical school. That was kind of the plan. I started uh, college just like any other regular college girl. You know, I did all the things that that a normal freshman in college would do. Um, went yeah. to all the parties with my roommates and, and did all of that. Um, and soon after I started college, um, I I received word that my grandpa had passed away and my grandpa mm. and I had were really, really close when I, my senior year in high school, uh, he was in a nursing home just down the street from my, my school. And so I spent a lot of time chatting with him and he had never had the chance to go to college himself. And so he was really proud of my dad for graduating from the university of Texas at Austin with a master's degree. Um, and he was really proud of me for going to college. And so he, his his kind of big advice to me was go to school, get an education, don't mess around, um, you know, leave there with a, with a, a profession, a, mar- a marketable skill. And so he, I, it, I knew that he wouldn't want me just messing around. And so when I found out that he had passed early in my freshman year, um, I I kind of had this impression, this this really strong impression that he had he had gone to heaven and that he he was watching me and that he was there with my grandma who had passed away many years before um but he loved her very much and i knew that he was just waiting to die to be with her for a long time i knew that he wow. just wanted to see her again but that's not a normal jewish teaching and so i that kind of just kind of came out of my head it, it was kind of like my own belief about I just knew that it wasn't the end. I knew that my grandpa would get to see my grandma again. They would be together in heaven and they'd kind of be there cheering me on. 
but I had never really been taught that. That was just kind of an idea I had. And so I immediately, when, when I got the news, uh, you know, I, I kind of did my, my little morning thing. I was sad that I, you know, wasn't able to say goodbye to him, but I made a few decisions. And one of them is that I would no longer drink or be a part of that type of activity that I would just double down and focus really hard on my studies. Um, but you know, going to like the number one party school in the nation, you can't like avoid the parties altogether. (laughs) And so I just kind of became the designated driver. So everybody always wanted to go with me on the weekends because I didn't drink and I was just the driver and I took care of all my friends when they got drunk and, and made bad decisions. So that was kind of my role for a long time. And I would go to all these parties and there would be this guy there and he wasn't drinking either. And so we'd kind of stand over to ourselves, drinking our water and watching our friends, you know, kind of make idiots of themselves. And then at the end of the night, we'd kind of collect our groups and take care of them (laughs) however they needed. And so we got really close because we kept running into each other. And then what happened was the summer, so the summer after my freshman year, most of my friends went home to, to work or be with their families or whatever. And I just continued to take classes. I didn't feel like there was a big reason I needed to go home. I got a job as a resident assistant in my dorm, which required me to stay and work over the summer. And I took some classes. And what ended up happening was me and this other, this boy randomly ended up with almost the same summer schedule, which in a giant university is like a God thing, <laughs> because there's no other way that that could happen. And so we started spending like all day, every day together during the summer, we would go to class together, then we'd have lunch together, we'd go to our second class, which wasn't the same class, but it was in the same building, which is crazy. And then we would spend the afternoon studying. And just kind of we just became really close. And so towards the end of the summer, um, we have this family reunion. And of course, my dad's a worrier, and he didn't want me driving by myself three hours from Austin to meet them. So he said, Hey, why don't you invite a friend? And I said, Well, my only friend here this summer is a guy. And he's like, Bring him. You know, that's even better. You know, travel <laughs> with a guy. So, so I brought him to this family reunion, and we get there. It's this little tiny town in Frio, Texas, right on the river. Wow. And basically, you sit in the river in your bathing suit and everybody just drinks and you just float the river and drink for the whole weekend. And of course, I wasn't going to do that. But on the drive, uh, he started to ask me questions like, why is it that you don't drink? And I, I've ne- I had never told anyone about my grandpa, but I told him the story of why I didn't drink. And, and um, he kind of started telling me, you know, about how he, you know, this group dating in high school and how he, you know, was a virgin and he didn't drink and do drugs and that he would never do those things. And I thought, what planet are you from? Like what (laughs) guy in America? It's so not the UT experience too. I mean, UT specifically. I mean, wow. Yeah. I was already impressed. I mean, hanging out with him all the time and he was just, you know, kind of this stand-up guy already. But I mean, to know that he never planned, I mean, I was excited for like when I'm 21 and I get married, you know, I'll have a margarita with my husband and, you know, and he's like, oh no, I'll never drink. And I'm like, what? Are you an alien? Like, who are you? Like, I just (laughs) didn't, it, it just didn't compute. I couldn't, I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. And so 
Um, you know, he kind of just slowly started slipping in a few of these kind of LDS things that I had never heard anything about in my whole life. On the drive, did yeah. he never say, I'm a Latter-day Saint? No. At no point did he say, I'm a Mormon? No. Nothing, really? And to okay. this point, Sean, let me tell you this. To this point, I knew nothing. I had never heard anything about the LDS church except for I had a friend in high school who dated a member of the church. And I remember they broke up and he was telling us about this relationship. And he said, Mormons, uh, they store food because they believe that when they die, they get their own cloud and they have to take their food with them. (laughs) And that is the only thing I had ever heard about a member of the church in my whole life. That is so funny. Oh, Monica, that's great. So if you said Mormon to me, I'd be like, oh, they have rooms full of food to take to heaven when they die. Like, that's all I knew. Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) That is so funny. Yes. So that's it. So yes, he never mentioned the word Mormon, Latter-day Saint, nothing. I I didn't know anything about his religion. Just He was just kind of slipping me little truths about it as we drove. So we get there, and he's like, I think that you would really like my church. He's like, I really, I think that we should find a church and I'd love to take you to church on Sunday. And I thought to myself, are you kidding me? Like we're on vacation and you want (laughs) to go to church? Like that's just nuts to me. But I was like, okay, if you feel strongly about it, he's like, I really think you'll like it. Like, I I think you'll really, really like my church. And I was like, okay. And kind of in high school, like I said, my dad remarried a Methodist. And so we'd go to church with her sometimes. And I had other friends who in high school, you know, found out I was Jewish and they're like, oh, you've got, Jesus saves you. You have to, you have to believe in Jesus or you're going to hell. And, you know, I kind (laughs) of got this idea in my mind that Jesus, that I didn't really like this idea of Jesus that I had because I'm like, why is he just sending people to hell? That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Like, I I don't want to follow this guy who's like, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. If you don't follow me, you're going to hell. Right. You know, I kind of had a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth for, for, this Christian religion. I hadn't found one that I really agreed with. So, so yeah, so he wanted to go to church and I thought, okay, fine. And he said, well, I think you'll feel more comfortable if you find like a dress or a skirt to wear. And I thought, okay, I have no idea how I'm going to find that. Um, because in Frio, Texas, in Frio, Texas, when we're, I packed bathing suits and little spaghetti strap cover-ups and that's it. So, I had an aunt who had this little tiny mini skirt and I had just a spaghetti strap shirt. And so yeah. we should, okay. So I, he finds a, a church that's nearby and he's wearing jeans and a t-shirt because he hadn't oh, wow. prepared to go to church either. Yeah. So we show up in this little tiny branch and this big tall man is standing at the door when we walk in and he just had this big smile on his face like oh my goodness who are these people that just walked down the street obviously not (laughs) members of our church and he just shook our hand and like you know was so welcoming and happy to see us and so we go in into sacrament meeting and and Donnie's there and he's explaining the sacrament to me and there was these amazing talks that I just I don't know they just hit me I felt the spirit so hard I thought they were amazing And then we went to Sunday school, which is absolutely over my head. I didn't get anything that we talked about in Sunday school. And then for third hour, Donnie had the, Donnie was this guy's name. I don't think I've ever mentioned that. 
No, that's good. He had the missionaries teach me the first discussion, which was awesome. And looking back now, I'm sure you can imagine, I don't know if you served a mission, Sean, but I did. Here is this pretty college girl wearing a very short skirt and a very (laughs) revealing shirt. And you have these two missionaries who probably were like feeling terrible that they even had to look at me and trying to teach me the first discussion. Focus. (laughs) (laughs) One of them I could tell was, was a greenie and he would try to say his part and he couldn't get even get through it. Like the the senior companion, I could tell was kind of helping him along, but (laughs) I'm sure I really made it difficult for those two boys. Those poor missionaries. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I got the first discussion. They gave me a book of Mormon I thought it was really cool. We get back to uh, the cabin where we're staying and Donnie's like, hey, he kind of taught me a little bit about the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. And he said, hey, instead of, you know, changing into our bathing suits and going out to the river, why don't we, you know, kind of relax, stay indoors. We'll make lunch for your family. I'm sure they'll appreciate that. And so we kind of spent the rest of the day doing that, which was so cool and my Methodist, my sisters, my stepsisters that were Methodist, right. they came in and they had this big gospel discussion with Donnie. And I was really impressed how much of the Bible he knew. I and mean, he knew all these scriptures and everything. And um, of course, I didn't know any of it. So I was just listening. <laughs> but but I thought it was cool. And at some point, he taught me about Joseph Smith and just some more real doctrinal points of the gospel. And on the way home... Um, it, it, I think he kind of, he kind of laid off. He, he, he asked me how I liked church and I said it was great. And he, he, um, you know, sh- kind of reiterated, he's like, you should read these sections of the book of Mormon. They're really great. When we got home, he brought me a journal and he said, I would love for you to write in your journal about your experience, how you felt going to church and all of that. Um, but he kind of laid off. He didn't push in any way. And I still have that journal today and I still have all of those first journal entries that I made. It's so cool, but that is awesome. It it really is. I, I have used them in, in millions of, of talks that I've given and, and just, I've had millions of opportunities to kind of share this whole, you know, coming finding this religion and kind of learning about it and and how I felt. And it's been such a treasure, such a treasure. But um, so what happened was that week I didn't see him because the the semesters had kind of changed. And so he went out to about a mile or I mean, about an hour out of Austin to be with his Mm. family. And so I didn't see him and I called him on Thursday and I I had just, I was in the shower and I thought, I really want to go back to church. And so I called him and I said, hey, uh, I think I'd like to go back to church. And he's like, I will come get you. On Saturday night, I will come get you. And so (laughs) he came and got me and he took me out to his parents' house. And so we get out there on a Saturday night and his mom had fixed this big dinner. And after dinner, we just sat around and we just played with this little curly-haired blonde little two-year-old. And she was just the center of attention. And it was the most magical Evening, awesome. we just danced around the living room with this little girl and laughed and talked, and it was so beautiful. By the way, I already love Donnie. 
Yeah, he's like, great. I absolutely love Donnie. He is great. And and the most there's so many like beautiful just tender mercies, beautiful things about the story, but this kid should have been on a mission. He was of mission age. He should have been on a mission, but I think Heavenly Father was like, "You know what? This is your first mission. You're going to convert yeah. this little Jewish girl and then you can go serve a mission." So <laughs> So yeah, so uh so we go to bed that night and wake up the next morning and his mom had again made this beautiful breakfast for all of us. And we're all sitting around the table and we say a prayer and everybody's dressed in their really nice church clothes. And I'm thinking, man, am I in the 1960s? Like who, who lives like this? Like this is such (laughs) an incredible, so far from how I was raised or the feeling in my house. It just, I couldn't even believe it. And so we go to church, same thing. Third hour, I get the second discussion. And then after church, the missionaries came over. They fed the missionaries that day, I guess. And um, we watched these videos about Christ. And for the first time ever, I I kind of had a new perception. I was like, I kind of like this Jesus Christ. Like this Jesus Christ is a little bit different than the Jesus Christ that was portrayed when I was growing up. And I like him better. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) Um, So... Then the next week, I was like, Donnie, I want to go back to church. I, I, you know, come get me. Let's go back to church. And he's like, well, this week, why don't I take you to the university ward? So I didn't realize this, but I lived like literally less than a block away from the Institute, which was also where the (laughs) university kids went to church. Going to church in the university ward was amazing. They assigned some elders. So now this is the third set of, of missionaries that were assigned to teach me. And one of the missionaries bore his testimony to me at the end of the third discussion. And I was just blown away. I remember like just looking at him in awe and thinking, I want to know with such conviction, anything like what you know. And so I remember going home and praying that night and just saying, Heavenly Father, is this real? Like, is what I'm learning real. And had you been praying all the way along or was this? I had because I had a Book of Mormon. And so I was reading the Book of Mormon. I read with a post-it and had so many questions like, why did Nephi have to kill Laban? Like all of these things. And I would just, I had this post-it that I just would read the Book of Mormon and I would write down all my questions. And then the next time I got to meet with the missionaries or sat down with Donnie, I had all these questions, right? Awesome. And, um, so I was reading in the book of Mormon, I was praying, but I had never prayed like that before. I had never, I was never like, okay, heavenly father, I want a testimony. I want to know what this guy knows. Yeah. This is the searching prayer with this amount of conviction. And, and I got my answer. And so immediately after that, they, they assigned some sister missionaries to me who are the dearest women to my heart still to this day. Mm. Um, and so they kind of got me from there. Like, yes, I know I want to be baptized. Like, yes, I know this is true. They got me through like my parents were so against it. They had my dad just started reading all this anti-Mormon literature was so not behind this. I wanted my family's support, especially my dad so badly. That must have been a challenge. I mean, that must have been really tough. Yeah, it was hard. I mean, I was, you know, a daddy's girl and I I wanted his support and he was not having it. 
but mm. there was another whole series of miracles that happened there. I knew I wanted to be baptized, but I, I wouldn't, you know, kind of set that date until I, I, I had settled some things with my dad. And so yeah. sisters were like, let's, let's fast. I'll fat. We'll fast with you. Let's, let's have a fast and, and pray that you'll know what to do and what the next step is. And so um, I had this impression while I was fasting that my dad just needed to see my face because up until the, now we had just been talking over the phone and, you know, he, he just had all these objections. He just, he couldn't handle, there were so many things that he was just so against. And so I asked my, you know, I'm like, I have a, a test on Friday, but right after my test, can I drive, you know, halfway and meet you for lunch in Waco? And so we decided to, we made this lunch appointment and, um, I get there and I just, you know, I just kind of let it all out on my dad. I'm just like, this is why I feel this way. I feel so strongly. It doesn't have any, you know, of course my dad's like, you just want, you're just doing this for a boy. Right. So I'm like, it doesn't have anything to do with him. And, you know, I kind of was able to bear my testimony to my dad that day. And then he came back with this story that was just incredible. Just, just these miracles that had happened for him. And it included this man. So my dad, ever since I could remember, has always woken up at 5 a.m. and gone to work out. That's just kind of oh, yeah. how he started every day. And so um, he had always kind of worked out by himself. But there at the gym where he worked out, he noticed there was this group of men and there was three of them and they worked out every morning at 5 a.m. And so there was a man who was a a drug enforcement officer, uh, in Dallas and he flew helicopters and, you know, did drug busts and worked for in the Dallas police mm. department. And, um, he was, you know, very strong. And my dad knew that he had this young family and, and all these things. And one day he just didn't come to work out and he was gone for a long time. And my dad inquired about him and found out that he his, a helico his helicopter had crashed and that he had oh, been badly burned. He was in the hospital. And so, you know, my dad asked around and he kind of did his version of praying for the family. And um, one day, you know, maybe a year later, a man came back into the gym and he was, you know, his muscles had badly atrophied. He was burned, you know, over probably 90% of his body. Um, but he was there and he was working out. And my dad said immediately he knew who he was. He went right up to him and said, hey, I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for your little family. Um, and they became workout partners. And they worked out together every single day for like a year. And they shared stories and, you know, got to know each other very, very well. But somehow my dad didn't ever know that this man was LDS. And so he's telling him about his daughter who's in college, who's learning about this church and that he's just so against it. And, and the hmm. man, um, his name is Matt, said, wait a second, I'm LDS. And my dad was like, what? And he's like, yeah, if you have I'm any, surrounded. yeah, he said, if you have any questions about the church or anything, you know, I'd love to help you resolve wow. some of these things. And so, you know, for the next several months, my dad's given him all his objections and Matt's talking him through all of it. And so by the time we had sat down for lunch, my dad was like, okay, I understand enough about the church that if this is really what you want to do, I'll support you. And what a blessing. so, you know, I got his blessing. We went home. We set a date for baptism. My whole family came. It was a really 
neat experience. Monica, that is incredible. And I think there's such a central message to just live the gospel and open your mouth at the right time. Yeah. So you get baptized Uh and suddenly the little Jewish girl that you, as you described yourself, now a member of the church, uh, you continue school. Did you graduate from UT? Yep, I did. I graduated from UT. We soon after we got Donnie on a mission. So that was awesome. Um, he went to Argentina and served a great mission there. I'm sure. Uh, however, I dear John him about halfway through his mission. <laughs> oh, he did him. leave. Uh, as I went and spoke at his, his family moved to Mississippi at some point right before he left for his mission. And so I went and spoke at his farewell and he said, I'm going to come home. I'm going to marry you. And I said, great. Awesome. I, I look forward to it. And about a year into his mission, I heavenly father had different plans for me. So <laughs> Thanks, Donnie, but no thanks. Yes. There's there's not going to be uh, Donnie and Monica. So that's okay. You dear Jodham, which is the quintessential missionary experience uh, that so many missionaries have. So where did that take you next? Uh, so I graduated from the University of Texas. And in in all of this happening, I, I, I became a, a student at the Institute. Like the Austin Institute was this amazing place. And the director was this man named Randall Wright. I don't know if you've heard of him. He writes a lot of books. I've not. Um, he's the, an amazing man. But he basically adopted me. I started going to all his Institute classes. He had a daughter my age. And so I started spending a lot of time um at his home. And of course, he was such a great counselor for me. I changed my major from this endlessly long road of <laughs> business and pre-med to sociology and child development, which is a little more my speed. And uh, learned so much from his family just about what I wanted my family to look like one day. So that summer, I had my mission papers all ready to go. I was doing a lot of family history. Um, I got special permission to go through the temple so that I could start my family's uh, temple work before I left to go on this mission. And what happened was that Randall Wright was like, I need you to experience EFY before you go on a mission. He's like, so so he got me a job interview and I got selected to be an EFY counselor, but not until the end of the summer. So I, I was selected to work the last four weeks of the summer. And so the rest of the summer, I was just, I was kind of working and doing family history work and going to the temple a lot and just there in the singles ward. And this group of guys showed up there and one of them would eventually become my husband. Um, but we we started talking and hanging out and, and spending a lot of time together. Um, and then I went on this kind of EFY tour, I did two sessions at BYU Provo and then one in California and then one at BYU Idaho. And kind of in this tour, it was interesting. I met all of his siblings in different ways. And Mm. so when I got back, I had one day before he was leaving and I, my plan was to, well, actually I got into graduate school too. So I'd gotten into graduate school at the university of Texas. They had accepted me into the MSW, the, the social work program, but I was like, no, I want to go on a mission. And my dad, again, freaking out, like, no, (laughs) you got into graduate school. You are going to graduate school. You are not going on a mission. And I was kind of torn and 
I had one more day to spend with this guy that I thought was just amazing. And he was like, why don't you just jump in the car with me? We're going to drive through my mission up to Idaho, which <laughs> again, I didn't even know where Idaho was. I knew it was up yeah. north somewhere. And, um, and he's like, you've met everyone, but my mom, his dad had passed away a couple years, uh, a year before, but I met everyone in his family now, except for his mom. And so I, I did. Oh, and while I was at BYU-Idaho, I decided like I had had enough of University of Texas. I loved my time there, but it's very liberal school. And I had, I went to BYU and I thought, you know what? I want to do my graduate work at BYU. And so I called the program. I said, I'm not coming. And I jumped in this truck and I just drove, you know, around the United States with this kid. (laughs) (laughs) And somewhere along the way, oh, and and the bonus was it's August and there's no air conditioning or radio in this little truck that we're driving. So we're hot and sweaty and have nothing to do but talk to each other. (laughs) So over this 32 hour drive. So by the end of it, we had decided that we'd pretty much sealed the deal. We wanted to spend the rest of our lives together and And so he bought a plane ticket down to ask my dad if he could marry me. And Mm. my dad was like, absolute hard no. (laughs) Like, wow, not going to allow this to happen. You guys don't know each other. You're like in your second year of schooling. There is absolutely Mm. zero way you're going to marry my daughter. (laughs) But he relented, obviously. Uh, Well, eventually, after we asked a few more times, I ended up moving up to BYU-Idaho, which was absolutely horrible. Because here you have this girl who has lived in Texas her entire life, and I moved up to Rexburg, Idaho in the coldest possible time. <laughs> I thought my eyeballs were freezing out of my head. Like I couldn't it's even, Texas. I thought I was going to die, Yeah, <laughs> freeze to death in my bed. Um, but after, after we had asked a few times and, and gotten a lots of no's, Ben decided to propose And then we called my dad the next day and tell him our plan. So we gave him a little bit of time. We said, we'll give you six months to get used to the idea. And then I quickly moved to Boise because I couldn't stand one more day in that freezing cold wasteland. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And Rexburg is specifically, I mean, that's a tricky place. So you guys got married. How long have you been married now? We've been married a little over 17 years now. Four kids. Yeah. Four kids. And so you're kind of the, now, who would have thought you're kind of the traditional Latter-day Saint family. You got Idaho, four kids. Crazy. You got it all going, right? Crazy, right? Awesome. Yeah. So your story is amazing. (laughs) This whole thing, I'm, I'm sitting here just with my jaw on the floor about how God just puts people in our lives at the right time in the right places. It's awesome. We're going to shift gears a little bit because we need to hear about On the Brighter Side Yeah, with Monica Tanner. How did that start? Yeah. And what, what is On the Brighter Side? So On the Brighter Side is is the podcast that I started. And um, yeah. I'm absolutely loving being a podcaster. It is just one of my favorite things. I get to meet people like you. <laughs> yeah, isn't this fun? So how did you, I mean, how did you, did, had you been on a podcast? Have you been a guest? Or what gave you the idea to do a podcast? My plan was to go to graduate school and get my master's of social work because I wanted to do marriage counseling, family marriage counseling. That's kind of the direction I was leaning towards. But, you know, obviously I was a little derailed with marriage 
plans and moving and all of the, you know, things. And, and of course, Ben and I, so here's another funny little tidbit about my dad. He didn't actually come on board to the whole wedding situation until I walked out of the temple and gave him a big hug. And he said, you know, okay, you're married. I'm so happy for you. Just please don't have children right away. So what do you think I did? <laughs> of course, your poor dad. I know, my poor dad. I got pregnant right away. So, you know, we had our first child. And so, you know, I was thrown right into family life. And so all of those plans kind of got put on hold. So, you know, we started, Ben graduated from school. Eventually, we started a business together. I I raised my children um, to the point where just a few years ago, my youngest started kindergarten, all day kindergarten. And I was like, whoa, I have all this time. My kids don't need me as much as they did before. Yeah. And I want to do something for myself. And so I kind of revisited the idea of becoming a marriage counselor because now we'd been married for a long time and you know we'd had our, our, our struggles and we resolved them. And I felt like I'd learned so much and I thought I want to help other people have a great, happy marriage. And so I applied to these programs. I got accepted into a graduate program and I got two and a half semesters in and I decided I absolutely did not want to be a marriage counselor. (laughs) Really? Wow. So, yeah. So after making a very generous contribution to this uh, university, you know, two and a half semesters worth of coursework, (laughs) uh, I kind of, what happened was I kind of got really depressed, actually. I, I thought so strongly that that is what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to do this graduate program and I was going to be a marriage family counselor and that was just it. And to find out that that wasn't it was, was it kind of threw me for a loop. And so I got really depressed and my home teacher actually was over one day and, you know, he was asking me about everything and I was still really passionate about the subject. I just, I didn't agree with a lot of the coursework. I just kind of had my own ideas about what made a marriage work. And so he was like, well, you should start a podcast. And I was like, what, (laughs) what is even a podcast? (laughs) Like I hadn't even listened to a podcast really. And he was like, he's like, you know, you have an amazing ability to speak your mind. And I was like, well, what would I talk about? And he's like, you'll just start talking and then you'll you'll find your voice. You'll figure it out. And so I was like, well, I don't even know the first thing about how to start a podcast. So he's like, I'm going to email you with everything you need. You're going to take this course and then you're going to start a podcast. And that's exactly what I did. I was totally had no clue what I was doing, but the, but the, name of it kind of came to me. The subject I I wanted to start talking about just kind of came to me. And so I started this podcast on the brighter side and I've absolutely loved it. I've had it for about a year and a half. And just a couple of weeks ago, we had a big pivot back to marriage. I decided that marriage is kind of my first love and my first passion. And I, at this point, I have years of experience with it. And I've always kind of been a student of other people's marriages. I, I, my friends and family members and other people around me that are marriage that are married, sure. I just kind of take notes like what makes a good marriage and and how do you you know how do you strengthen your marriage and how do you keep working at it all the time and and so we have shifted now to on the brighter side of marriage really is the emphasis that we're going with now, so it's been a lot of fun. Wow, that is so neat. So if people want to find it, they can go wherever they get this podcast or any others. Absolutely. Yep. Anywhere anywhere you listen to podcasts. On the Brighter Side with Monica Tanner. And I've gotten to listen a little bit. It's a very positive, like it's uplifting. 
what, what you could, you talk about some hard things, but overall it's a really uplifting podcast and you do a great job and you're taking this even one step further. Tell us what, uh, what you're working on. Yeah. So I'm really excited. I'm, I'm putting together a marriage course, which will be available later in October, but before to kind of kick off the course, I'm putting together an epic marriage summit and it's going to be just absolutely so amazing. I've got Richard and Linda Ayer speaking. I've got Dr. Mount, Matt Townsend, Randy awesome. and Randall, Randall and Wendy Wright. Um, so many people that um, have been you know, such incredible teachers to me in the area of marriage, they'll be speaking. And so you'll just be able to register and watch the summit for free. Um, All these amazing speakers talking about different aspects of marriage. So that's going to be on October 8th. And I'm really excited. And if people want to learn more about that, should they just listen to the podcast? Or what's the best way for people to learn about uh, how to get involved with the summit. Yeah. So, um, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook on Instagram. I'm Moni Tanner one. And then on Facebook, I'm Monica Tanner. And I've got a Facebook group that is on the brighter side of marriage Facebook group. And you can get lots of information and really cool tips and tricks to kind of up level your marriage, no matter where you're starting from, um, in that Facebook group. So it's a lot of fun. Oh, I love it. I, so definitely our listeners should check that all out and all this uplifting stuff. It's super fun. I'm so glad we got a chance to connect and to hear your awesome story. So go check out the podcast, go check out the Marriage Summit and follow Monica on all these social media. It's just, it's really uplifting what you're doing. And I think you're giving a lot of people a lot of hope and, and I just love it, Monica. This has been great getting to know you. I really appreciate it. We're going to wrap up this conversation with the question that we ask all of our guests, which is, Monica, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. What a great question. So I think I can sum up my feelings about being a member of the church with the, I think, greatest epiphany and greatest strength to me as I was joining the church and something that um, has really completely changed the trajectory of my life and held me to a different standard, which is that once I realized my relationship with a loving heavenly father, that I was a daughter of a, a heavenly father who loves me, who created me, who is always there for me. Um, it absolutely changed everything about my perspective and the way that I viewed my life. Because for a long time, I think I was a little bit of a golden contact when I came in, in contact with the church because I was really searching for kind of the meaning of life. I didn't really know why we were all here and what we were all supposed to be doing. Like I knew I worked really hard in college and I wanted to, to do a lot of really amazing things in my life, but I had no idea why, like what was the purpose of it all? And so once I started to understand that relationship of this loving heavenly father who has a plan for us, who wants what's best for us, who wants us to be happy, to serve others, to use our gifts and talents for good, it just completely changed my perspective and and helped me see the reason why we're all here. And it it's really is to share our gifts with others to make the world a better place and to make 
you know, what are we, what are we here for if not to make each other's life easier? So um, I'm really appreciative of my understanding of my relationship with God, the father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy ghost. I love that so much. She is a podcaster. She is hosting a summit. She is a convert and a mother and a wife and so many more roles making the world a fantastic place. Monica Tanner, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your Latter-day Life with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate it. And my special thanks to my new friend, Monica Tanner. Isn't she just awesome? What a beautiful conversion story. I'm so grateful that she came on to share it. It's a fantastic message. And her podcast has the perfect name because talk about a person who just looks on the brighter side. She is just awesome. Thank you, Monica. This week in my Latter-day life, I had a kind of a neat experience. Uh, We were away in Park City last weekend. It was just me and my wife. Very rare that just the two of us go somewhere, but we wanted to get away before school started again. And so we spent three nights in Park City. By the way, Park City, I know it's a ski town, beautiful in the summertime, just wonderful. And we went out to dinner one night at a gorgeous steakhouse that's right at the base of a mountain, and the views are incredible. And we sat outside on the patio. Weather was perfect, just a beautiful night. And shortly after we sat down, another couple came, and the man was in a wheelchair, and his wife was pushing him. And as he moved from the wheelchair over to the uh, to his seat at the table, it was obvious that he had had some sort of injury. He kind of hopped from the wheelchair over to his seat, and he was grimacing in pain. So that I could tell there had been an injury. And then he asked the waiter where the restroom was. And the waiter explained it, and it's a little bit tricky to get to this the restroom. The um, restaurant itself is in a hotel and you kind of have to go through the restaurant and down a hallway. But I knew exactly where it was. I was very familiar with, uh, with this place. And the way the waiter explained it, the man understood that he would have to go downstairs to use the restroom. And he turned to his wife and said, I, I can't handle stairs right now. And he just misunderstood. And so I stood up and walked over to him and I said, Hey, I couldn't help it over here. I wasn't listening in. They were right by us. And I said, but I know where the restroom is. Why don't I help you back into your wheelchair? I'll push you down there. And uh, he said, oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't take that. I said, look, you're going to be uncomfortable all through dinner. Let me just help you. And he said, well, I I guess okay. And I helped him into the wheelchair and and I pushed him. And as we were going through the restaurant, he introduced himself. He's from Los Angeles and recently, uh, in a sporting event, tore his ACL, which I have heard that a torn ACL is as excruciating as anything you could imagine. And he said, ah, I don't know how to use the wheelchair, and I'm just really uncomfortable. And it just it just sounded horrible. So I pushed him uh, all the way through to the, the bathroom. He went in, used it, came back out, and I pushed him back over to his table. The whole thing took about five minutes. It was nothing. I sat down and we enjoyed our meal and he could not have been more gracious and thanked me and I was happy to do it. Happy that it made his night a little bit easier. Uh, At the end of our meal, which I was stuffed, we had the most incredible meal and I told the waitress we were uh, ready for the bill 
And she came back out with the bill, as well as with the biggest brownie sundae you can imagine. Huge brownie with uh, several scoops of ice cream on it and chocolate syrup. And it was just, oh, it looked incredible. And I said, oh, sorry, we didn't order that. And she said, I know, it's from them, and pointed over to this table. And I looked over at uh, the gentleman I had helped, and he and his wife raised their glasses to me and said, thanks again. Well, we were so stuffed, we had her pack it up and, and take it with us. And I turned to them and said, that was so unnecessary, but thank you. And he said, no, what you did was unnecessary, thank you. And we had just a nice moment. And uh, as we left and headed back to the hotel, it was just this wonderful feeling that their gratitude, which, again, it took me five minutes. It was nothing. But it was nice that we had that moment uh, to bond. And by the way, that night at about 10 o'clock, I busted out that brownie Sunday. Oh, it was incredible. But I got to thinking, you know, recently, especially here in the U.S., there have been some events that have been tragic. And during these tragic events, we sometimes feel unsafe and we feel powerless I was watching the news the other night, and that was the phrase that uh, a woman who was being interviewed used. She said, I feel powerless. I don't know how to stop any of these things. And sometimes it feels like the world can be a scary place. And we don't know what to do. And the truth is, in the bigger things, there's not a lot we can do. You know, global politics or, or big events that happen, we maybe are totally powerless to stop or change those things. But while we can't control the world, what we can help or at least make better is our world. And it's through little tiny things of service that we can do. When we look up, we can make our world a better place. This was such a minor thing to do to help him. And I'm sure he thought it was such a minor thing to send over that Sunday. But you know what? I think I made his night helping him out. And he definitely made mine sending me over that Sunday. And it was just a beautiful moment of people serving other people and loving each other. I think that we spend a lot of time looking at phones, looking at devices, maybe it's tablets or televisions or whatever. And it can, it can really cause anxiety. It can really cause pain and emotional turmoil. But when we really look around ourselves, there are people everywhere to help out and serve. And sometimes that service can be a smile. That service can be, I love that shirt, that dress. Uh, You look so nice today. I love your hair. Hey, it's great to see you. You know, you're such a good person. Sometimes just looking someone in the eye and appreciating them makes all the difference. Again, I don't want to downplay the big things that are happening in our world. It's, It's out there. It's happening. But again, we can't control it. What we can do is affect our world and the people around us. And that's what the Savior's taught us to do. Simple service and showing an abundance of love will change our world. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. As always, if you enjoy the show, if there's someone you can share it with, we would love that. And we appreciate all the great reviews that we get. And if you want to reach out to me directly, I can be reached at sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. I really appreciate lately we've gotten a lot of guest suggestions. What's even more helpful for us is if you have a guest suggestion and know how to contact them, if you have a phone number, email address, something like that, 
it really helps us out. So until next week, when we got another great show for you, please remember, as always, there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>